WWCTs after further review as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. He is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And sometimes we provide a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. Hola. Welcome back to 88.3 WGTs. After further review, on the phone lines with David, the man of God, Harris. He's back at it with us here after a couple weeks off. Uh, actually, he's out of town in Buffalo for a conference. Be back. Said in Syracuse on Saturday. Um, we didn't talk about winners and losers. Did you watch the UT game? Yeah, I did watch the UT versus Kentucky game. Uh, well, not watch it. I listened to it on the radio. Mm-hmm. And, like, you kind of knew kind of going in, kind of, from Toledo's standpoint, offensively, there was going to be more questions and issues. And it seems like quarterbacking play were still kind of a little shaky. We tried to develop a little bit of a rushing attack, and I think kind of over the past couple of seasons, it seems as though our rushing attack has been more of kind of a jump starter for often. If we can kind of get three to four yards of carry early and often, kind of just get some of the momentum going so that when it's time for us to implement the passing, passing possession, make it third and manageable. But I think Kentucky is a, still a decent team, even though they lost some of their bigger-name players on both sides of the ball. Kentucky's still a decent middle-of-the-road SEC team. And I want to say, like, that's where we are level-wise compared to kind of the national scale in terms of our college football program. But I think it was a good day for us. Mm-hmm. And I think heading into a, kind of a home opener against Murray State, I think, Okay, now we work on some of the offensive things. Now we can work on some of the kind of long-standing issues that the Rockets have, primarily with kind of shooting ourselves in the foot off, with offensive penalties from my offensive line. But I think it was kind of a good gauge. Kind of score is not really indicative of how close this game actually was. So I, I think there's definitely, of course, room for improvement moving forward. But we're we're looking pretty confident compared to some of our other math counterparts. Right. So now we talk about another team that's Team USA, and uh, they ended up losing uh, to France in the quarterfinals, and then losing to Serbia, and now they'll probably have one of the worst finishes ever, and I believe an international play. Uh, finishing probably as low as seventh. Uh, the last time they did that was in 2002 when they finished sixth. Um, but a lot of people weren't surprised by this. I actually would tell people I would have been surprised if they actually would have won this thing. But some people were saying that they shouldn't have, that they should have at least got to the semifinals or the finals. Uh, your thoughts on it, David? Before I kind of tell mine. Well, I, I think you're you got to you're right there in that there are a lot of people that had temporary super high expectations for the team kind of going in and people I need to recognize team USA. Like we don't play together as much as some of these other countries, primarily kind of former Soviet republics. Like those players, most of them come from one or two major clubs within the country. And then they sprinkle in some professional basketball stars from the NBA. 
But in terms of kind of heading into the tournament, I don't like there were very few that thought we would make it to the semifinal round. They thought kind of looking at the draw potential draws, especially in group play. And then when we actually struggled against Turkey, who's coming out there with Osman and Ilya Silver, like people in Cleveland were like, they didn't even realize Osman was still a Cavalier. And then Ilya Silva was like in his late thirties and they were giving us trouble. And so kind of even after watching that game, okay, when we get to the knockout stages, we knew it was going to be tough. And I think what helped primarily in that France game is that with new international rules, Rudy Gobert, who is, you know, perennial defensive player of the year candidate, top three, he could just stand in the paint and was just like, dude, try to stop me. And because we don't have really any strong interior presence, I mean, we had Miles Turner and a Plumlee, like that's, that's, that's not intimidating, especially for a guy like Gobert who can just kind of camp in the paint right under the rim and attack everything at the basket. And so it was kind of doing from the start there. And then when you get shooters around or like, I'm going to butcher his last name, but Frank from the Knicks, like, he played decent. I mean, Evan Fournier, he was kind of just disappears in Orlando. We don't talk about him, but he's still a shooter. Like, other teams have NBA talent players, and they played together a lot more than this. And I don't want to say they're a ragtag group, but they're, you know, B or C level NBA kind of, like, is our B or C team. And kind of the result that we got, and then when we played Serbia, we knew that's what would happen. Serbia told us they're going to let us play their game. They're going to play theirs, and they got held up. And like Boban was burning you guys. Like Boban, like Jokic had nine point seven assists. Like Boban is out here balling out. And so, like the international rules, the way that's formatted right now, doesn't work for TV USA because we don't have the size and the late game situation. We don't have consistent shooters. So it was, it was an expected result. So, well, yeah, think- we didn't have our best of our best out there either. People kept uh, basically uh, dropping out of it, and as you mentioned before, no, really, no shooter. Uh, Harrison Barnes, uh, you know, the last time he was really relevant and a great player was back in 2015 when the Warriors won their first championship. But then again, I was surprised he was on the team. But once again, a lot of guys dropped out. David? Yeah, yeah. I was kind of, like, when you say Harrison Barnes was, like, a key offensive weapon for us, like, just think, think about that. Just If you've never seen basketball, just think Harrison Barnes is, because, of course, you know, obviously people can say, well, you know, Jason Tatum wouldn't have gotten hurt if you know, Jalen Brown wouldn't have gotten hurt if Mark Spark, like, all these what-ifs about basketball, like, would Jalen, you know, Jason Tatum would have been the number one option? Probably. Mm-hmm. But do you think Jason Tatum would have done anything against a Rudy Gobert who's allowed to just stand in front of the rim, put his hands up? Like, no. Do you think that having any of those, like, and granted, we had shooters, you know, Donovan Mitchell was trying to do his best against his Utah Jazz teammate, but Donovan Mitchell is not going to the basket like three weeks before he has to, you know, play with his teammate. And he's not going to try to, like, 
like this, the way this team was constructed was not suited for long term, like long success in these World Cups. And rightfully so, we got knocked out by a decent break side. Well, and also, I think. Well, here's the thing I think with Team U and Brian Colangelo or Jerry, excuse me, Jerry Colangelo talked about it, uh, Brian being his son, but that he will remember who basically snubbed or didn't want to participate in these World Cup finals. And obviously it's not the Olympics and the Olympics are more of the big deal. But I, I think with this loss, it makes you realize you can't just form a team and put it together. And I also think some of these players, I like to see the younger players. Like, you can't be getting LeBron. Let's be honest. You, you can't get LeBron. You can't get uh, Steph Curry. I, I would say get some of the guys that are young, just on the verge of their prime. I, I think when you look at this USA team, Harrison Barnes is a guy that's a role player. He'd be a great guy to come off the bench. Marcus Smart, great guy to come off the bench. I'd be even to say Kimball Walker great guy to come off the bench but he's not a Kyrie Irving type uh obviously Durant couldn't play because of of the Achilles issue also Clay Thompson was out with um knee issues I think Kawhi Leonard didn't really want to play um so you, you you look at all these things but there's a lot of great young players that are out there that can really really play out there and I think that's what you need to to, to focus on and I you know, Kyle Kuzma unfortunately got injured. I thought he would have really helped the team out. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, I was disappointed in him because he decided he didn't want to play because he was looking to make a playoff push with the Sacramento Kings. I, I, I That was a head-scratcher. But then again, people said that this, well, this was too late in the years in September and then training camp's right around the corner. And let, let's face it, I, I, I'm getting really tired of that, hearing about load management and – What's too close to training camp? They need to help with their bodies. You guys are professional athletes. They get the best treatment in the world. The best thing about it, the best treatment in the world. And I'm sure Greg Popovich is going to be aware that, you know, yeah, this is about to be going into training camp. You should be looking at it as you going into training camp in shape. And I'm sure he's not going to be sitting there having two-hour practices, making them go hard, full out for, for, for this tournament. But at the same time, you're just keeping your game sharp. You're going up again. It's it, it just it it fathom, it it amazes me that these guys would sit here and complain about not getting hurt, uh, being too tired to be for training camp and playing these Olympic games. But yeah, you see them all at uh, the Black Ops playing pickup ball. And yeah. and and think about it. What, what's worse? I mean, and then people were talking about well, the Paul George situation where he ran into the stanchion and messed up his leg. So you rather not play for Team USA? And by the way, you're you're getting paid for this. You know, I mean, you're getting paid to play on the 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 the, the world championship team, the Olympic team. And I totally understand it. You know, because of the stanchion issue. But don't get on Instagram. Don't get on Facebook or Snapchat and show yourself out there playing at Chris Johnson or Rico Hines or Chris Brickley's uh, open gym sessions. You're you're out there playing pickup ball where obviously you're playing with your peers, which is great. But we all know that you're getting in the work with with the personal trainer. Then you're going to play pickup ball. I said, what's the difference of that and playing in the Olympic in the in these Olympic games? 
you're doing the same thing. You're playing king of the court. You're sitting there. You're, you're probably bringing in your own personal trainer or working out with one of your guys just to keep your game sharp because a lot of guys do do that when they when they join the Olympic team to see how the other guys practice and to get tips off of them. So I, I guess my, my question is, you know, and you know that you're getting the tip-top trainers in the world. So I just think it's just a, it's just a lot of excuses, and I really think that for some of these younger guys, if they were smart, it would really help really their branding if they played on the Olympic team, got their name out there, and they were actually doing some winning. I just think that, you know, the attitude is it's just too cool for school. You know, this doesn't matter. I, I got to do this. I got to do that. I, 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 I. But I bet when it becomes Olympic time, and, and the cameras are really out there. Okay, now we want to play. And it's like, oh, well, wait a minute. You know, now the excuse next year is going to be, well, the Olympic Games next year will be during July and August, and that's in the heart of the off season. I mean, to me, the off season is the off season. Yeah, I just never understood as why the rest of the world takes the FIBA World Cup seriously and Team USA or a lot of the NBA players that are within the pool for Team USA, like, yeah, the FIBA World Cup really isn't that part, but an Olympic gold medal is? Like, I just... Well, I mean, you got to think about it, though. I mean, how long has the FIBA World Cup been around? I mean, let, let's be honest. The Olympics have been around for years. So we've grown up watching the Olympics. I mean, that's almost like saying the fact that I know it might be a little bit of a bad comparison, but we getting excited about the Pan Am Games. I mean, there's always some type of games going on, whether it's the 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 World Cup game. Now, the World Cup also, remember, is for qualifying as well for the Olympics. They use that as a qualifier. So that's what kind of makes it a little bit important, uh, so to speak. So the, 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 the USA team, before losing to France, I forget who they beat before that, they, they actually qualified to be, be in the Olympics. So that's that's one good thing. But... As I said before, I, I've, I've really have gotten really disappointed. I'm not disappointed with like James Harden not playing. You know, okay, I totally understand that. Uh, Chris Paul, if if you if you're a guy that's been on two Olympic teams, I, I believe in giving people other chances, up and coming uh, stars in the NBA. But if you haven't really made an impact in the NBA, there's no reason why you should be turning out an invite to the USA Basketball unless it's some dire reason why you can't play or you're really recovering from you know like Kyle Lowry he he had thumb surgery so and he won a championship and he had thumb surgery so he was trying to recover from that totally excusable you, you know that I can understand but certain guys just dropping out because they want to get some rest you know I, like I said I don't understand why why didn't Kyrie play you know I understand you were on the 2016 team but you could have played uh 2016 done a World Cup, played next year in the Olympics, and then you could have been done. You know, I, I really think, in, an, in a sense, I know you don't want to force people, but if, if you're going to get these guys to commit, it should be at least, hey, can you commit, if healthy, two Olympics and a world championship? I mean, that's that's three events that you do, and then you could be done. I, I really think that, that eventually what's going to probably have to happen is that you're going to have to get some of these guys to actually commit to this instead of being wishy-washy every year. And it just seems like the days of just putting together some NBA players and thinking that you're going to win these tournaments is way over. I mean, that's a testament to the dream team and the global game growing in basketball and them wanting to get better. But 
if they really personally think that, I mean, that's not happening. And plus, this team lost to a G League select team as well. That that was another concerning moment too. Yeah, it just seems like, and just kind of thinking back when we, when that initial kind of final roster came out, guys like Andre Drummond dropping out. Like he was not like a really big big, but it would have been some good interior presence. And look, you're in Detroit. You're not going to the playoffs. Like you're not making a deep playoff run. Like, yeah, come on. you had guys that seasons either ended in April or the second week of May. It's like, come on, like Andre Drummond's one of them too. What are you dropping out for? You should. You need to be playing. I mean, I can understand if it's a team that's made a long run, uh, like I said, Golden State, Toronto. Those guys I could possibly give a pass for. But anyone that's been knocked out, especially if you got knocked out before the conference finals and this event's all the way in September, you've had enough time to rest up. And then, then to go see your behind playing in some in some pick glorified pickup games like Devin Booker, why didn't he play? You know, he's on he's on the internet on Chris Johnson's thing working out and complaining about double teams and pickup ball. Well, why don't you do something a little bit more serious and play for the Olympic team? Yeah, and, and especially looking at kind of just the way that this team was constructed and throughout the play, it's like we needed shooters. Like knowing that a lot of the game a lot of the teams are now good internationally at shooting the three ball, like you need shooters in these tournaments. Like, granted, there are some exceptions, like Serbia, where their best players are their big men, Jokic and you know, Boban, or a team like, you know, France, where, you know, Rudy, like, they have shooters, yes, but it's still Rudy Gobert just camping in the post. Like, with Team USA, like, your strength is your win. Especially this year, knowing that you don't have any bids, a guy like De'Aaron Fox, who you already said, you know, turning down Team USA, for what, man? For who? And then it, it just it bothers my mind, and especially knowing that next year people are going to be like, oh, I want to play for the Olympic team. I want to play in Tokyo. I want to play. Like, come on. Like, my, my thinking is if, if you don't want to commit to getting us to the, you know, to the Olympics, if you don't want to commit to, you know, this, granted it's a smaller tournament, but the tournament that helps us get better and prepare for 2020, then, like, like I understand, and I understand Brian Flanger. Like, hey, if you don't want to be with us when we're at our lowest, like you can't just you know join us at the come up, and then all of a sudden you know just oh we automatically just throw you in because you know you're this name recognizable player. Final. Like you, you gotta be with us through the shuttle. Final thing. Do you think some some people ask this question? If they would have put Carmelo Anthony on the team, would it have been made a difference? I would I would say yes and no. I think yes in terms of because we know he's a scorer, we know he's a shooter. And but I think and I think this would have this this he's done well in international competition because I think it fits his game very well. For one, the three point line is a little bit closer, so it's almost in he really definitely in his range. And in the international game, if anyone's noticed, they really do use more. They're really into the mid range. It's not just threes and going to the basket because, like you said, with the rule changes. Guys can camp in there. They, they they can actually play a legit zone. You know, NBA does a zone, but, you know, you have the three-second defensive violation. So you kind of have to guard a man. But they literally play like a, a college zone. So, as you said before, Rudy Gobert is just going to camp under the basket. So, if you're trying to drive, especially guys like Kimball Walker, I mean, those, those 
driving, you know, people say, well, get to the basket. Those are higher percentage shots. But if you got a guy like a Rudy Gobert under the basket up against Kimba Walker, that turns into more of a lower percentage shot than maybe getting an open mid-range jumper, maybe attacking the basket, getting him to come in and then kicking it out to to Carmelo Anthony either for the three or the mid-range jumper. I think an open mid-range jumper would probably be a little bit higher percentage shot than Kimba Walker, who's maybe six foot on a good day up against seven two, seven three, Rudy Gobert. I mean, let's face it, he's gonna he's gonna misdirect some shots when he goes up to the rack. Yeah, and I think kind of thinking about Melo, one, offensive scoring, but then just the leadership and being an extra coach on the court. So this team, like, their veteran was Harrison Barnes, but not to keep bringing him up, but like he's like your experienced guy outside of Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich. Like, and so having a guy like Carmelo on the bench or in the lineup in this, you know, for a couple minutes a game, being able to be like, hey, use my experience. And in clutch time, who would you rather have, you know, orchestrating your offense out there with the Kimber Walker going up against some of these guys? Would you rather have a guy like Kimber Walker or Marcus Smart or would you rather have a Carmelo Anthony? who You know, he's going to ISO ball, but he's going to get your bucket. Mm-hmm. And Team USA didn't get a whole lot of buckets, and that's why we're going home with no better than a seven-place finish. Going home with no hardware. Can you believe that, man? Oh, I can, but like I said before, it is a little uh, unfathomable to, to believe that. Well, anyway, we'll take a quick uh, commercial break, uh, talking about a little bit about Team USA and everything. And uh, coming up next, um, I think we're talking about Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown, the saga just keeps getting more and more weird. Yeah, that and more here on 88.3 Jump Cheese. After further review, make sure to listen to the podcast on SoundCloud and on iTunes. We'll be back after this.